Thank you for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. I'm Miss Shannon, and we appreciate you joining us. We're broadcasting again from the Twin Cities Film Fest studio. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend and our co-host, Jayton Satia. What up, homie? Hey, I'm glad that you are still surviving. I know that we are in full swing getting ready for the lovely Twin Cities Film Fest events that are starting very, very soon. Oh, they're going to be here sooner than I hoped and wished they would be here. But <laughs> this is that... Uh, do you have anxiety medication? Because I think I need it right I now. I do. I also have some uh, homeopathic. Uh, options that we can have for you which as well. I think my wife would rather have me yes yeah, so we'll give you some stuff, options yeah. we'll give you some options um, but but it's know, not but I mean this happens every year right um, where we get a little anxious mm-hmm. we as in like mostly me and my staff <laughs> um, our gala's coming up in a couple weeks yes our festival's coming up in a couple months right uh, and as you know and we'll kind of hint at this later but I'm planning something very special between the gala and the uh festival as well which is kind of giving me a little bit of anxiety as because well because what we've learned about Jayden is he just loves to take on additional projects I'm masochist that's it, yes. I am, a ma- I, am uh, I like personal challenges that's kind <laughs> of uh, and I've you know I've done and you know that I've done like a 30 day workout challenge right. I've done more mental challenges where I've done like a watery thing where yes. just a water diet so I haven't I only drank water for like and your 96 hours. And are normally only dangerous to you. They're, like they're, they're self-inflicting as opposed to outward facing. Yes. Yeah. No, they're, they're <laughs> I'm a masochist. But <laughs> um, this thing that I'm planning um, after the gala before the festival is, again, more self-inflicting, but the beneficiary will be the film festival. Okay, which is always perfect. So we encourage people always to go and get more information about the Twin Cities Film Fest by going to TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. And I have a outstanding movie topic that I want to talk to you about today sure. and we are of course going to be joined by our guest geek again and this week we are going to talk to uh, our guest geek who is a food scientist yeah. yes so we're going to drop some knowledge yes MJ Kinney is going to be here very soon to talk to us about some food scientist language and uh, what I thought would be fun um because since she's so scientific in nature about the way that she thinks about food, uh, what I wanted to bring in is I brought in a very non-scientific thing about food. I brought in the brand new, hot off the presses, 2018 official new foods guide for the Minnesota State Fair. Whoa. Yeah, so I'm very excited to see what she thinks about that, some and of the you new just, foods. You <laughs> literally just handed, as you're talking, you just handed me this piece of paper. Yes. Which is, I thought it would be one piece. I mean, this is like a five Correct. pages of like... I suppose good food them, but yeah, like new foods I, where you can find them at the our stuff, Minnesota I'm State like, Fair. Like, what is an up north puff pastry? And we are going to cover that. So I want to see some things. If there's anything on there that you think that you will love, and if there's anything that really scares our food scientist MJ Kinney, that's going to be on the show this week. But before we get to our our guest geek, okay, Jayden, I want to talk to you because you are our film geek. Uh, as the executive director of the Twin Cities Film Fest, I'm sure that you are all abuzz with all of the changes that are going on over at the Academy Awards. Yes, yes. The One of our Oscars. Yes, you know, since we are very, very excited about the pageantry, we're going up on our 91st Academy Awards. Uh, and so they did reveal a series of changes that are going to come in uh, to play. And there's three in particular that I think have some major implications. And so you can tell me whether these make sense. So um, they're changing some of the things that they're doing. They're going to make sure that they shorten the telecast. So that is going to happen. They have a firm three-hour. Yeah, <laughs> a firm three-hour shortening of the ceremony. And then they are also going to set an earlier date for the ceremony itself. So they're moving it up. And lastly... They have added in a new category, and that is Outstanding Achievement in a Popular Film. And this is the first time. You're already rolling your eyes, Jaden. You're already rolling your eyes. This is the first time the new category has been announced since uh, 2001, when that's when they added in Best Animated Feature uh, into that thing. So what do you think of Best? I appreciated the Best Animated Feature. Okay. You were excited this about that This is an one. audience award. Yes, it is. It's like turning into the Teen Choice Awards. You're not on board with that? Um, they need ratings. I think this <laughs> right, is a they rating, do. Th- this is a rating ploy. It is a ratings ploy. And so is shortening it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but shortening, I don't think it's going to work, right? I just don't think they have so much to add. They've always thought about shortening it. They've always talked about this is too long, this is right. too long. Networks talk about it. Local networks talk about this is too long, this is too long. And it always runs over at least a half hour, if not 45 minutes. Well, they are talking about even having more pre-recorded uh, and non-televised segments. So they're saying that that is going to happen more at this point. Uh, so I think we'll see less of the... Okay, you won some Lifetime Achievement Award. We're going to cut all of your opportunity to speak live on television out, and we'll have more of that. So you saw Black Panther. Correct. So uh, is this is this fortunate that this is happening during well, during the Black Panther year? I think year? this whole I mean, category was created to be able to make Black Panther have an Academy Award. But why can't Black Panther just be the best picture? It could, but I doubt they're going to do that because why so not? far, this okay. is what the problem is. You're this saying is that we should change the the not the Academy adding in another popular category isn't enough. It's that they should change their methodology in the way that they. It's the curation of it, correct? Right. It's the the decision behind nominations that needs to get tweaked as opposed to creating new categories. Again, you create new categories, you can you can create genre categories, right? Right, like the best new genre, and right. then you can go down that path. <laughs> um, uh, I just think this is absurd. Like, you need to look at what you need to fix first before adding more things to it, because right. this is going to come back with more criticism. Right. Why is this? So let's just, why did Skyscraper get <laughs> nominated for the best popular category? Well, now what I did understand, and there's- Not that I will, I'm just saying. Yeah, they're kicking around lots of ideas about what could actually happen in the criteria that they should use when they're picking this new category, best popular, or achievement in popular film. So it is still supposed to be the best of the popular film. So there's going to have to be some, you'd think some- Monetary caps that, you know, they'd really, you know, and, and I'm looking at that and, and going, well, this now definitely looks at what do we do with our streaming services? How do those things work out? Because if, they're, if we're looking at it from how much money does a film make or how many people viewed it, since things like Netflix uh, historically don't like to tell us how many views we had on things, how are they going to be involved in this category? So now we're back to how much money and how, and we're voting with our dollars on these movies. No, absolutely. Again, for you bring up on-demand. Sure. Mm -hmm. Will there be an on-demand category? <laughs> Maybe eventually. Best Amazon Prime movie. <laughs> Best Hulu original TV show. Well, don't you think that this is very similar to when they went from, okay, we obviously need to broaden the scope of these and try and pick films that are broader in scope so they's yes. why they ended up going from five, five to ten, to 10. Yes. right so now they're and like look a lot could of be things nine it could be eight um <laughs> right. but then they also don't broaden the directors correct right we always come back like you have 10 films but none of those 10 films like directors are a part of the right. of the conversation like you you're giving this particular film the best film but you're not giving any nod to the director. Right. Uh, it's, again, it's a team effort. So why are you constricting and not growing the other categories? Uh, you know, why are there only best five actors or best five actresses? Then you go right. down the path of like, is actor and actresses, should they be just best performance? Right. And period. And so it's actors and actresses. And I think it. a lot of people would like us to get to that point, but we're not necessarily to that point no, as we're here a to society add yet. Yes. And I do think it's interesting because when you come back to, you brought up Black Panther already, which we know that they are already vying for getting attention. And usually our popular films, the only time that we see them mentioned is usually for something like best sound editing. Correct. Or the cinematography. Best cinematography, or outstanding costumes, makeup. Exactly. You know, yeah, you know, all of the special all, effects. All well deserved, but right? I mean, they do put a lot of effort into and that. And I applaud all of those people that put in all that effort. But doesn't it also make you think if we're trying to shorten it, those are also the categories that we know kill ratings. I love to see all this amazing special effects. Like most of the films that I am a big fan of is because they have great special effects. But do I want to hear the person who is in charge of those special effects give a speech and thank their mother slash wife slash kids for letting them do it? No. no. Right? No. <laughs> and that sounds terrible. Nothing against them. But you don't want to hear them speak. They all they deserve the awards that they yes. get. They deserve the recognitions that they are, are due. And, and I want and the film to be able to put up a little byline that says that it is best. It has 
an Academy Award, and it's won all these uh, things. Well, I mean, post-Academy Awards, if it got any recognition, any kind of future marketing that goes along with it should absolutely recognize why this particular film deserves your attention, your dollars, your on-demand views, is because it's got an Academy Awards for and then listed categories. Right. Um, Just because you know what you're going to walk into. But that being said, no, I don't want to know who the best... (laughs) production coordinator <laughs> grip person is i'm sure they did an amazing job and right. nothing against them again i work in independent films exactly so those people make the film happen um but again you're you're going down the path of this is a an entire 24-hour run program then like right. tw- oscars at that point will just become 24-hour live cast <laughs> you can you know tune in whenever you want right which might be a good option you know, just kind of see, just stream a, it for. Yeah, what could be a great like on <laughs> on demand stream kind of an option. You can watch the little. You can pop through as you choose. Yes, I do think it's interesting though because if you you're right, we are opening up for more uh, controversy because if we have best popular film, so let's say now we are really encouraging people. Okay, this is what you voted for with your dollars, but it can't just be. Okay, this one made the most money. You know, it's like, so how do we do it? Do we have to change? You know, okay, this movie's popular, but it came out really late in the season, so we have to go. Do you get more credit if you make a ton of money the opening weekend versus if it made more money over time? Yeah, how much did it do in the uh, box office and your fantasy league in the movie league? Right. Um, (laughs) You know, again, typically at an Oscar, if you're up for an award, you're doing a typical release late fall right or early or excuse me excuse me late uh, late summer early fall is kind of when you're the film distributors are putting their content out there because the blockbusters are done for the summer right they got to shift attention to the award season now we're going to push out your moonlights and your la la lands and all those amazing films mm-hmm. but films that still could be amazing in those categories like a black panther get released in february right you know, there's amazing film. The Get Out got released super early last year. Yes. Um, and again, it made the qualification because it was a good movie. Right. So there's a little bit of that indie push that could easily happen early, earlier in the year. And I think those films all did deserve to be in the contention um, for come the fall. But so, so many of these movies, if you start adding into like even the indie films, so many of them, it's all still based upon how you market to, in order to get a nomination. Correct. In oh, so the much, Academy oh, Awards, millions and millions and millions right. of dollars that get put into the backburn and the backstream dollar revenue mm-hmm. for. Uh, Oscar nomination and pitching and <laughs> dinners and right. You mean stars come stars talk about how that actually is more work than the actual movie. It's right. actually shaking hands with the Hollywood Foreign Press and the Film Academy members and not that they don't want to. They of course they're up there for an award that is the most coveted in their industry. Right. They don't mind doing it, but it becomes work. It right. becomes like a job. But there is a whole, you know, dollars and cents in actually marketing your movie. So then your little indie films that deserve it, like Lady Bird. Yes. You know, does well, but it can compete against a shape of water that's coming in from, you know, a, a different studio. Right. And I'm also impressed now, if, you know, we, you know, we, I, th- I feel like we're already going, okay, this category was made because they know that they should give props to black panther but remember you should just call it the black the black panther the black panther uh uh, the the award for best black panther film um but (laughs) but then but remember that ryan coogler he's you know when they asked him to be part of the academy he declined and then counter programmed and threw a fundraiser Mm -hmm. the same night Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to see if he does decide to opt into this, or if he goes, no, you're just pandering, and I'm still not on board with the way that you guys do stuff. Because you just, uh, instead of uh, really you know, looking at us the way that he believes that he should be looked at, I feel like that he might tap out as well. So do you think if he, if the Academy said, we're going to scrap this new category, or they keep the category, but then they put Black Panther in the actual best picture, right. he'd be more open to that? Probably. I think so, too. Right. And I think he may actually retract the film <laughs> if they put it in the best popular film. Yeah, he what? might go. I actually, I hope don't want that your made up statues. Happens. That actually gives credibility to the content and what that movie was truly about. Right. 
you know, it wasn't just about, I mean, yes, of course, it was Marvel. Yes, of course, it was superhero. But it was much more about. So here's what you would like in your fantasy land. Because, one, we already need to make we room. we do live in my fantasy Right, land. yeah. So we're going to go back to Jayton's fantasy land. So we already know that you need to make room on your ballot because it doesn't look like right now they're going to retract this, this category. But what we would like to do is for them to go ahead and put the category out there and then all of the pictures that are nominated for it decide to opt out as protest. Wouldn't that be amazing? If Mama Mia is like, I'm done. If Mama Mia 2 is like, no. No, we yeah. do not want your like, award. No, <laughs> Mama Mia would because Meryl Streep said Meryl, Meryl says it happens. It happens. So, right. um, no, is that going to happen? No, it's not going to happen. No, I'm very curious as to what the Academy decides as the best popular films. Right. I'm very interested in knowing the first ever iteration of the nominees in this category. Right. I'm. I'm actually. Fa- I mean, I, I'll start my own internal list of who I think would possibly go into that. Like, right. Would the Avengers go in it? Yes. Right. Like, is it basically a Marvel category? <laughs> right. At this point? They're like, we know people like your <laughs> movies, know, like, but we kind of think they're garbage. Right. <laughs> so like, yeah, you basically keep our industry float with all the dollars that you bring in. Uh, so yeah, you but you make popcorn. Do, but you, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fine too. Um, I, but that's just my two cents. We'll uh, see. I mean, I have to live with it. But all right. and again, I'm not a cabbie me- member, so it's not like I can actually go in there and voice my opinion. But you, although can I should be, if somebody's listening, I'm <laughs> in the East Indian uh, man who started our own film festival, and, and now it's coming up on their tenth year. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very much open to yeah. uh, an offer. We will have to continue the marketing for that. I know we don't have the big budget right there, but I, I got I'll throw you twenty bucks to try and get you in, involved in the Make academy. It. Can you please make it twenty five? Yeah, I got you. Great, I got cool. you. Yes, you should. I cut in, down on my incremental value. Increases. I cut down on my Starbucks budget, so I'm all good. Aww. So you may have it. Thanks. All right, Jayton, you are my friend, and uh, we are going to be joined by our guest geek, MJ Kinney. We are going to talk to her about what it means to be a food scientist, and also so I should not go on my cleanse right now. Should no, wait after the state fair, because she probably has some suggestions. And then we are also going to cover uh, some of our favorite and least favorite 2018 Minnesota State Fair food suggestions here on BR Geek. Welcome back to Be Our Geek, broadcasting from the Twin Cities Film Fest studios. I'm Miss Shannon. Jayton Satia is here. And Jayton, it is now time to bring to the microphone this week's guest geek. And you're going to love this one because uh, we like it when people who are smarter than us about very specific topics come into the room. Like, we know lots about comic books and movies, but you, sometimes you need to talk to people that know things about that's going to help you in real life, right? Yeah, and I'm fascinated by this particular First and foremost, category in the industry. Like, right. There's so much happening in this industry right now that I think we need a little truth bombs to be dropped on us right now. Right. And so bringing in the truth bombs, our guest geek this week is MJ Kinney, our food scientist guest geek. Hello. 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 It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So we really appreciate you. And we took some time going to the website. So your website is fairscience.com, and that's fair F. A-R-E, fairscience.com, and you have lots of great tips, tricks, and just tell everybody a little bit about what it means to be a food scientist and what you do on your website. Yeah, sure thing. So I really like that you emphasize the spelling of fair. Yes. Uh, So F-A-R-E being fair, a synonym of food. Mm -hmm. Uh, Foodscience.com was already taken, and I also (laughs) didn't want it. Uh, But fair also comes, I mean, come to find out after doing a Google search means free and open to the public. So I wanted to create a platform that would be approachable to the general public on the topic of food science or the topic of food. Right. There are so many, as you know, like conspiracy theories out there, discrepancies, conflicts of interest, and and people, um, I want them to have the platform to go on to my blog, read about things in the food industry, understand it from a food science perspective, and then feel free to put in their questions and, you know, feedback. So tell us a little bit about your background. Like when you were growing up as a, a, a young person, where you sit there and go, you know what, I'm going to be a food scientist one day. Uh, I was I was pretty certain I was going to be like a vet because okay. I was obsessed with my cat, which is yeah. funny and very timely <laughs> because I recently became a cat mom, my, my first pet in, in the uh, adult welcome world. Welcome to the fold. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent way too much time that I'm willing to admit, like researching cat food. 
yeah. litter, litter boxes. But well, there's a lot <laughs> of varieties. <laughs> there yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in bringing it back to food science, um, when I was a kid, I, I think the closest thing that came to food was my alphabet cookbook. Okay. And and uh, I think that made me kind of like a punny person. When I <laughs> when I went into my field, uh, I, I wore the food scientist hat, and then I wore the technical sales hat, and then I wore this marketing hat. Right. And people were just getting a kick out of when, when I first entered the industry, I was working for a pea protein manufacturer. Yes. There are a ton of puns to be had with the word pea. Is there oh, really? Oh, my goodness. Okay. To, my signature was happy, whatever the word <laughs> of the week was, and it'd be like H-A-P-P. Good thing right. about four-year-olds. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, so I think like the alphabet cookbook, while it was like an introductory to to making food for myself it was also like you know kind of like this this punny like play on words right um but that play on words is very helpful because it gets people fascinated or interested absolutely the conversation going yeah pull them in a little bit and you do really make sure that you talk about different functional ways that people can get more involved with how their food is created where it comes from and and just get a little closer to it because it does seem like from uh your perspective uh mj that so much of what we do is so distanced from what we actually eat yeah, uh, the the topic of transparency, I think, mm-hmm. is bigger now than it has, ever has been. Right. Um, and so really understanding where your food comes from uh, while we're getting there. Uh, I think in the mind of any food scientist, specifically in the field of quality assurance, and there are so many little divisions within the, the field of food science, but people in quality are looking at it and they're like, we'll never really hone in or own transparency. Because right. suddenly you're talking about where does this one ingredient grow? Yes. Where is it manufactured? Where is it packaged? These sometimes occur at all different facilities. Right. Is there a conflict of interest for you when you're talking about where it's grown, where it's manufactured, where it's processed with um, companies that are out there producing these items? And as a food scientist, are you more aware of, you know, walking that line of not pissing off anybody or any specific company or any mm-hmm. specific is there yeah, a big brother out there well, looking yeah, for you in the I food mean, scientist interest? Right? I mean, you want to be as transparent as possible, yet also not want to not necessarily kill your own career, but mm-hmm. want to be truthful, yet also be respectful right? as well. So is that something well, you're dealing with? or? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think before um, I started blogging, I mean, there were so many things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, and there were so many things I was like, you know, if I ever said this in the wrong way, it could piss off a lot of people. Right. But I also believe that if you ever want to attract attention to yourself and your message, you have to uh, you, ha- you have to go against the grain a little bit. Right. Uh, and maybe even a lot of it. So um, as far as potentially pissing people off, I think it would be uh, maybe in this area where people just don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you bring that area to their attention. They're like, oh, I never thought about you bring that. bring the spotlight back on them and then have an actual dialogue behind it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's for me, it's so we're, we would say, I, I would say, my, my wife was here, she would concur, but we're majority of our household food that we bring in is organic and or certified and or we know exactly where it comes from. So it's that transparency. Um, how much education is required still in the minds of just individual households? Obviously, uh, income has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, your social upbringing has a lot to do with it. Your culture has a lot to do right. with it. I'm mm-hmm. Indian. I was born in India, so now I'm trying to shift my mom uh, into more of that conscious effort. And even yes, of course, it comes from the Indian grocery store, but where where was it actually made? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think she's appreciative of knowing that I care. And that's what I want to ingest. So I think she's changing the way she's cooking food as well, which mm-hmm. is great. But those, I mean, that's been a years in the <laughs> making as opposed to, hey, mom, just do this. Right. So talk about the conversations that you as a food scientist would like to have and then making that impact, knowing that there are all these other things to be considered right. and changing somebody's habit. Sure. Uh, that was very loaded. There's a lot there. Okay. okay. So yes, I'm going to unpack sorry. it. No, no, That's no Jake and MJ. I loved yeah. it. I loved it. Start so, unpacking. So, so. I'm going to start unpacking. Um, well, I think I, I want to start off at with an example. Um, so an example being when a consumer goes shopping and they want to purchase the best possible thing, they look at the certifications and the logos on the package. And I right. think it's gotten to an extent now where it's overwhelming. Okay. And also provide some misinformation you know because something has a gluten-free symbol on it does that necessarily mean that it's healthy for that individual you know now we right. can say true that doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy for that individual or that it's even necessary but it is for a lot of individuals right however when you look at marketing data for some companies it's enough to say hey we saw that this sector in gluten-free uh 
really experienced a lot of growth. So we're going to just put gluten-free on our products because Especially when it it's is. something, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was something that was already technically gluten-free. Mm-hmm. And now they're going, we're reminding you because people are going, oh, they think that I'll lose weight or I'll do this and things that are not completely, that are completely uh, unrelated to the reason why it needs that label. Right. So I, I always say, like, uh, one man's food is another man's poison. Right. So I've been gluten-free for now 10 years. Before it was popular. Uh, I don't do this for the attention. My life was very difficult in the beginning. There were very few options available right. at the grocery store level. And um, I, I just formed some uh, understandings. Like I was no longer going to be able to eat bread or pizza uh, or cereal. You know, like right. it, was, it was a very sad, depressing time. Yes. But I got through <laughs> it. I'm stronger because of it. Right. <laughs> uh, but now I look at all these options and I'm like, these kids are so spoiled. Right. They don't even know how good they got it. Oh, you know? yeah. And I'm really grateful for the way that the, con- the, the market has evolved. Right. Because if I had become a food scientist or entered the industry five years ago, I totally would not have been embraced with open arms. You know, mm-hmm. they would have been like, oh, so do you still enjoy your food, though, right? I mean, I that's, that's the key component of edu- any education is like, look, you can still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just different ways to actually consciously look at food. Right. And you really look it. at things from a lifestyle perspective, right, MJ? Yeah, I don't think that anything really has much value unless you can incorporate it into your lifestyle until you can make it realistic for you. Um, it's now there are some things out there that people would argue are not realistic, like maybe the conversation behind clean meat or clean proteins. Right. But the point is to make those options available in the future and therefore realistic. Right. Uh, so it all starts with a, a very grand idea, and then so the grand idea of you know manufacturing protein in mm-hmm. warehouses or in green rooms. What are your thoughts on the future, the way it looks? You know, because now there's grow houses, right, mm-hmm. and you can grow your own meat or not your own meat but companies are actually looking at sustainability through that model mm-hmm. obviously it's in the infancy stage but as you look at the next frontier yeah of food science that you brought up clean protein uh, where do you think is it is it heading in the right direction or at least heading in the direction where you think it would actually be not even just sustainable from uh, um, just this nature standpoint, like obviously climate change and whatnot, but even our own health. Is that even something yeah. that you're thinking oh, about? Oh, I think we're totally headed in the right direction, and I'm very grateful to be alive in this day and age. I mean, I'm just grateful to have things like Amazon, right? That right. alone is like, wow, it's so good to be alive. But when, <laughs> I, when I look at my industry, I'm like, wow, um, it's, it's really headed in the right direction. And, and just think about uh, kind of like the history of food, right? Like once upon a time, we, we had our own farms, or a great majority of the American population did were self-sufficient in many ways, bartered for our other goods. Um, and then somebody wanted to start a business, right? Right. And they're like, how do I possibly sell a product that people already know how to make themselves? Because people really didn't care much for their time in relation to how we are today. Right. In relation to how we are today, you know, we have calendars that we monitor <laughs> uh, one to two weeks in advance, right? But, yep. you know, so I, I think, like, I used to have this mindset that, uh, some of these companies were almost evil for inventing certain products and making them available to the public, almost as if they knew how bad the the effects were on people's health, right? Right. But that's not necessarily the case. It could also be that uh, they had no idea how to make a Snickers bar. Right. <laughs> and then Absolutely. one day this magical treat showed up and people were willing to buy it because they're like, I have no idea how to make something like And I don't like want to make right. it. It's available. And I do, it's I'm, available. Right. right. Oh, and it's affordable. It tastes great. Um, so the conversation of food is really just one that's, it continues to evolve and change as we gather more information. So maybe there were enough Snicker bars among other products like Doritos right. uh, that made it into our everyday lifestyle that it was like, you know, we've got a problem and we're seeing this problem emerge in the form of uh, obesity or type 1 or type 2 diabetes. And um, so now the conversation on food uh, is about functional foods. But right. Just five or not even years ago, it was about low fat, low sugar. Uh, and not so much low sugar. I would say low fat, low carb. Right. And, and so we're trying to figure out what is um, the the black and white uh, solid fact here of what's going to be good for my health. And right. I wanted to just tell everybody that one man's food is another man's poison. So what could be right for you is not right for me. Right. Uh, I don't know if you you are like uh, gluten sensitive or gluten intolerant by any means. Mm. Are you? By I am not. But okay. my son, because he's on the spectrum, it does, you know, I have isolated as much of the gluten and dairy out of his diet because I noticed that it did mm-hmm. help him with his behavior. So right. I knew he had more of a sensitivity versus an allergy. You know, to right. something like that. So I'm like, right. no, I do notice a difference. So right. I know and that it's still important to figure those things out. Right. And so that would be a perfect example of your son's food, uh, you know, is great for him and it could be great for you, but your food could be his poison. Right. You know what I mean? 
Um, so that's so do you recommend people like message. doing like elimination diets where you just you know you don't know uh, if you're sensitive to something or how it actually adversely affects your body or if it doesn't but you just eliminate it from your diet for like a month or something just to see or is it better for them to right. actually go to like a uh, 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 neuropathic doctor yeah. and what do get you tested to like see if they're sensitive how do I like I don't know what I don't know so right. for you to say one man's food could be your poison how do I know that Right. Well, I guess if you really wanted to know it, you could see your doctor, get some blood work done, and then have an official allergy test. But in my experience, what happened for me was I was uh, I was in college, and I was, of course, very busy and studying. And um, my diet at the time was like a box of cheddar butters a day. It right. was so bad. you know. Mm-hmm. But it was just like this snack that was convenient. Um, and this is just as I was like coming to the conclusion. That they there was made something. it and it tasted And you're like, very, listen, you're you're like, these are the it. organic ones too. Oh, it's right, like, yeah, because yeah. you do trick yourself into thinking that things yeah. are good for you because you're like, well, it's not the, the regular over the counter ones. You know, these are the specialty ones over here in the nice section. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. And actually at the mm-hmm. time I remember seeing like the marketing on that product was 70% organic ingredients. And I mean, even as a food science major, I didn't really fully understand why organic was necessarily better than conventional. It's just right. a part of the story. Uh, at the very least, you know that you're happy to support organic farming right. and more sustainable farming methods, right? But what does that mean for your health? Um, so for me, I, by the suggestion of my sister, thank goodness, um, she had said, why don't you just try going off of wheat for right. five days and see what happens? And of course, it was very hard day one and two. Day three, you're like, oh, I can power through for two more days. Right. And five days off, and then you introduce it to yourself, you may realize that you have a problem. Right. You know? And Absolutely. so, yeah, for me, it was very, very obvious. And so it was me slowly but surely um, cutting wheat and other other grains that contained gluten out of my diet. Um, and 10 years later, here I am. And I have options. I, I mean, it is hard for me to eat out. Um, and I, I used to get very, like, anxious and angry with my circumstances right. because if you're out all day running errands and you're like, I can't find a gluten-free option, I'm going to starve. Not right. Not only in the first world country that we live in, but <laughs> it, I mean, I was just But like, now I'm hangry. Yeah, and now mm-hmm. I'm hangry. Mm-hmm. So um, if anyone has that story, uh, you know, as well, I would just say view it as an opportunity to fast. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so now I'm like, I could be hangry or I'm just fasting yeah I, so it's all just yeah. changing your 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 framework sure. and the way right. you think about it mm-hmm. so do you get hangrier or do, do you faster do you faster in state fairs because you work at the state you work at like you're going to be at stations and ra- i mean like the what how my do you methodology get away like through not? hanging out at the fair is i bring food and then okay. i have days that i i call them my cheat days but i still don't get to go overboard because i just know that i can't sustain that activity level living on Minnesota State Fair foods. It's the same thing as I spend a lot of time working in bars, and I can't live on fried bar food. I just can't. Or just drinking the whole day. Right. I can't do that. I'm like, there's options there, but then once you kind of go, you know, this is not sustainable. If I want to make this my career, I can't do it. So I have found options, you know, that I could do and that are portable and, you know, the kind of protein bars that I'm willing to live on and things like that. And I take food with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and I do think that it's interesting that there are so many different options about there and how things do continually morph and change. And I always think the thing that I find is interesting about the food industry is things that I grew up with uh, in uh, in the neighborhood that I grew up in that I consider like poor people food is what I call them, like the stuff that we used every part of the animal, like you kind of thing. And so now they're gourmet. You know, kind of thing. If you go someplace and you get oxtails, I'm like, my grandmother used oxtails, and that was, like, it was inexpensive. And now these things have become, you know, very expensive. Mm -hmm. Or I remember we had a pomegranate tree in our yard, or bush, whatever you call it. So we had pomegranates all the time. So the fact that that's something so expensive now, I just, it's so hard to fathom those kinds of things, you know, for me. But it's interesting watching things absorb and i want to get more because i know that you are very plant forward right mj very yeah plant, and i like that forward. you said plant forward yes <laughs> yeah, so you're very plant forward but the you know we did bring up protein and so i i wanted to bring up the the new fad in protein yeah. so are you both familiar with the cricket farming yeah. that is going right now i have i'm not actually oh okay so then i'll let mj fill this in but that's what that the, to me mm-hmm. that's one of the new hotnesses in the protein world yeah i mean it's been going on i want to say I've been aware of it for the past five years. Okay. So cricket protein or just insect protein, you look at insects and you say, hey, they have a pretty good source of protein. Um, and When the, you're like naked and afraid, you can use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I was personally curious about it, but the, the marketing message behind insect protein was comparing it to another animal form being, hey, instead of 
beef, chicken, or, you know, pork, why don't we substitute some of our protein needs with insects? Um, Because it goes back to your sustainability thing. We're like, okay, you need a lot less land, a lot less water, a lot less resources to farm the same amount of protein Mm -hmm. in crickets. And uh, I was was very curious about it. I'm not a fan of cricket or insect protein. Um, Have you tried it? I, I have. Um, but I, it's not so much the taste that bothers me whatsoever. I think that you can eat a lot of products and not even know what's in there. And, right. You know, you can disguise it with chocolate yes. <laughs> or peanut butter or whatever yes. the case. But for me, when I look at um, insect protein, uh, I, I did a little research project at the University of Florida with the, their School of Entomology. And I was just personally curious as a food scientist how to scale insect protein. Okay. And come to find out, crickets, among other insects, are uh, cannibalistic. So when you put them in crowded conditions, they're not happy. Okay. Uh, they actually like tear each other apart. Okay. Spider farming uh, was an example. Is an example not to be utilized for protein, but to be utilized for silk. Okay. But when spiders are in crowded conditions and very stressed out, they attack each other. So I understand that it could be a way to um, prevent water pollution and be better to the environment in comparison to animal proteins. One of the obstacles being will consumers eat it? You right. Know, when we have such a, if I see a cricket, I freak out. Do I want to <laughs> eat that cricket? You know. Uh, but aside from that. I look at it and I say this isn't a, a much better animal welfare story right. because you're you're actually killing more lives right. to create the amount of protein that's equivalent to what you would need uh, in a serving of beef, chicken, or pork, etc. And back to your your previous statement where we were talking about that transparency and things. I know that there's been a number of stories recently about the way that our even our organic milk is created and how a lot of these smaller farms are now having you know troubles because. Now there's organic versions that are still the big box variety of dairies that are out there. So was that involved in the conversation of things that get mislabeled or how we think the things are transparent, but they're not really? Right. Um, so I'm going to bring up the field of quality assurance. Okay. Um, when you look at food science, it's a very huge field. Um, when my parents were like, what is food science? What are you doing? I was like, don't worry. When I graduate, I'll have lots of job off okay. opportunities you know, available to me, which is true. You can go into... Um, I decided to focus on research and development, product development, but you can go into quality assurance, which is really when you look into uh, the food safety side, the manufacturing, making sure that when you're producing products to scale, that the products meet their parameters and specifications before they enter the market. Okay. Um, and then within quality assurance, obviously, I said there's there's a food safety component. There's um, engineering that's associated with food science. Um, and there are so many more that we'll get to. Sensory is another big field with or subfield within food science. But... The quality assurance part is where you take a look at all of the verifications in place for the companies that you're working with, and you make sure that you check your T's and dot all your I's. <laughs> right. So this is maybe um, uh, kind of like, you know, factor foe. When people look at small food companies and they want to get behind their mission, I would argue not that small companies are bad whatsoever, but when you look at where the safest, most reliable food comes from, it actually comes from very large companies. Okay. So I want people to think of because they have the resources like, to yeah, be able to. Yeah, that's put right. They have the resources correct. available to them. They also, when you are a company of that size, have maybe more to lose, or your well, reputation is on the line. Yeah, absolutely. You have your Fair reputation. Enough. You have your lawsuits, right? Um, so that if somebody does find a mistake or an error that you made, you can be held liable to that, and it could cost you a lot of money. Whereas small companies can fly under the radar and they might not necessarily have the resources or the professional expertise on their side to do the right thing. Fair enough. Yeah. But um, to answer your question, can there be food fraud? Absolutely. It's really big uh, in in seafood, actually. Okay. Uh, Fish fraud. Yes. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, this is like... How do you know that what you're eating is what it claims to be? Right. Because they call it a haddock or a halibut or a pike or whatever it is. And I'm like, ah, I yeah. don't know. It you could all be the same fish. I know what a salmon tastes like. But that you, think, are... you think. You think. You know what a salmon <laughs> tastes like. But there could be another fish out there. Who knows? That tastes and looks just like salmon. Right. So do you really know that it is? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. If I didn't or tuna see it, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so part of it's like, well, why does it matter? Well, if you're the consumer that believes that you're buying a certain product and it's not that what it claims to be, that's obviously a problem. Um, But quality assurance is so huge because they're the ones that have to work with the suppliers and manufacturers in creating their product to make sure that those suppliers and manufacturers are upholding a a true level of integrity that they're creating and giving you a product that they say that it is. Um, so with all mm -hmm. of this knowledge out there, MJ, why did you decide that your stance is more plant forward? Well, I, I really, um, 
had a great opportunity after college to to work in R&D specific to plant proteins. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity because um, I had the, the hands-on application experience to say, oh, this is what plants can do. Right. And it was never anything that was discussed in my curriculum at school. Uh, it was everything that you had to learn outside of a textbook. It wasn't very well developed. Um, in the food industry, we have standards of identity. There are things like that in any industry. But it's like, hey, milk is only this percent water, this percent the, the homogenized material, right. et, you know, et cetera. But there weren't really any standards of identity or very many regulations behind plant protein. So it's still this very new space that people can enter. Um, and, and all this creativity is yet to be had. So when I found out what you could do with plants, both on a nutritional story and like a taste story, like, hey, plants can taste good, but they can also deliver in all the nutrition that you need from a conventional animal-based diet, I thought it was kind of a sin to not talk about it more. <laughs> you know, I'm not a religious person. But, right. Uh, you know, I'm just saying I, I felt the strong need to talk about it. Well, we are talking to MJ Kinney, food scientist, and uh, you can find her online at fairscience.com. That's F-A-R-E science.com. And we've talked about a bunch of different types of food and things that we can put into our faces. And uh, so I thought it would be fun for us to be able to go ahead and talk about some of the new foods available this year at the Minnesota State Fair. So I did give Jayton and MJ uh, a list of the full list, but I have picked, uh, I have pulled a few of them that I thought would be interesting. And MJ, I'm, I'm very excited to see what you think about these new things. And if you would just run screaming, because some of them, mm -hmm. you know, or if you go, okay, you can have two bites of that. So we're talking, you know, the broadest sense. Okay. Um, so uh, I started uh, kind of in the breakfast variety the breakfast variety so okay. one of the new things that you can get this year at the hamlin church dining hall are bananas fosters french toast so it's a cinnamon swirl french toast topped with slices of fresh bananas and an orange rum flavored caramel sauce finished with a dollop of whipped cream are we on board with that being at the state fair does that sound delicious or are you scared that they made it well i know that most people attend the state fair and they eat the food there because it's supposed to be something ridiculous that they wouldn't otherwise create for themselves right, right? Mm -hmm. so i think it's a fun option yes i think that that flavor combination is wonderful okay i personally wouldn't be able to consume it because, because of the gluten because of the gluten mm -hmm. um but aside from being uh, the gluten component um i want to have as much of a plant forward diet as possible ah so that there's that's there's a personal no mission yeah <laughs> that's a personal mission that doesn't okay. necessarily mean that it's healthier it's just now that i know uh what i know about plants and what they can do i can't begin to unknow it okay all right so we go that's a that's a borderline what do you think james does that sound delicious uh, i'm gonna take one bite you're gonna take one that, bite okay that's just the one i mean that's it okay all right so our next one it starts with breakfast but there are a lot of varieties for it and it is the new nordic waffle it's nordic waffles they're gonna be in the west end market so they have a variety of different waffles uh and they have an all-day breakfast one that has egg bacon and cheddar a berries and cream one they also have one we can go down here they have a s'mores one salmon on a stick so you can get some norwegian salmon that has been shoved in your waffle uh then they have a turkey chipotle club and finally this one might be a little closer to what you would like mm -hmm. mj they do have a vegetarian viking so that's black bean veggie burger cheddar cheese mixed greens and chipotle sauce is that a little closer or yeah, is that okay. hiding terribleness no. in it no I would, okay. i'm not the person that's going to say that anything's hiding terribleness okay uh, oh that's not necessarily true. <laughs> sometimes it sometimes is hiding terribleness. the grocery store and like i start sometimes looking at a product package face. and i'm like you know what i can't even i can't look at this anymore it's making me angry i think i have a couple of those that might make you angry but we're going to take a minute mm -hmm. so this next section because it, I, I think it's great that you brought up uh seafood at, and where that kind of things go and whether fish is really the kind of fish we think it is so a couple of the things that are added this year happen to be varieties of uh, fish varieties so we have the brand new ahi tuna poke bowl so it has ahi tuna avocado mango and pico de gallo tossed in a hawaiian ginger soy sauce so typical poke bowl stuff you know kind of thing you get that at uh, cafe caribe um i like poke bowls me too i don't know if i'm gonna eat it at the fair i agree <laughs> i'm looking at like i'm thinking about in the past when i've gone to hawaii when i've mm -hmm. gone to la like when you can when you're in coast cities mm -hmm. and you try uh, seafood definitely tastes different right even if i'm in a restaurant world, where course. i know that the the fish guys are local guys here brought the food Correct. in i'm like okay I, I and i'm sure the fish guys are the ones that are making this pokeball that's gonna be at the fair yeah. i just don't know if i trust eating yeah, I'd rather that. have an alligator poke bowl <laughs> at the state fair than a tuna poke bowl. Is that because okay. it's cooked? 
versus like yeah. an yeah. Yeah. it's going to be like, <laughs> yep. uh, right, got Agreed. it. Yeah. And you yeah. might not be excited about the next thing that they have. They have a shrimp ceviche that's not available at the shrimp shack. That's fresh shrimp, which I'm like, what's fresh when you're at the Minnesota State Fair? It's not like they're going to have a tank. You know, mm-hmm. with fish. Yeah, Martha's cookies are fresh. Yeah, that's true. But I like fresh fish. I mean, fresh shrimp, not so much. But fresh shrimp, cucumbers, jalapenos, onions, uh, all tossed in a citrus lime juice. Again, I think I'm a little scared of shrimp ceviche at the state fair. It wouldn't be something that I would take a bite of. But in previous years, uh, I probably would have. Okay. So um, it's only very recently. I, I don't classify myself as vegan. Okay. Uh, but... I, I try not to eat anything that's animal-based anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I look at this menu, and I'm probably the worst person to present You're this like, menu You're like, there's to. nothing in I here. Have, no, I, I say, have something for her that's on the new fear. We're almost to I, it. I look at this, and I say, well, this is a wonderful fasting opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> but I got you. I got you, because I think that you might like this next one. So okay. French Meadow Bakery uh, is bringing a brand new thing, and it's actually even like registered trademark. They have Earth Wings this year. And earth wings are fresh cauliflower pieces dipped in a seasoned batter, deep fried and smothered in organic sesame barbecue sauce. It's vegan and gluten free. That was the one I was looking at. Okay, too. <laughs> I was like, I, was like, I knew I found one. For yeah, you. no, that that is totally something that I would eat. And okay. I'm so grateful to French Meadow Bakery because they have always had gluten free and vegan options available. I mean, not I don't yes. know always, but I think that's something that they are staple known for. Right. Um, I've only lived in the Twin Cities for two years, um, but I remember when I was able to enjoy a piece of their coconut cake. Right. Because it, with both those things, and I mean, it, at that point, you know, if you haven't had it for so long, well, you're almost as a state fair is an organization, mm-hmm. obviously they're for profit and whatnot, right? I mean, don't they have to now offer oper- like Earth Wings as <laughs> consumer like I favors? I think that like we are, thing, yeah, we uh, are building out where they do want additional options and everybody has already kind of said, you know, I can't live on cheese curds. I want to do other things at the fair. So I understand why they have continued to, because it used to be every year when we looked at the Minnesota State Fair menu, it was only deep fried things on a stick. Mm-hmm. And you do still have some of those really fun things that you're like, I don't even know if that's going to taste good, and we're going to get to well, a couple of Well, now it's a marketing thing. Everything's right. on a stick. Right. You know, and so to have some of these, no, this is all fine. You know, I'm, I'm good with it. You know, and so I, I think that's fun. Like, I think this next thing, I would try and eat this. Um, we know that a lot of people are a big fan. If you go to the big corn booth, they have that. But now they have a different variety of that at Tejas Express. It's corn on. It's called wood grilled elote, and it's corn on the cob grilled over an oak wood fire, brushed with chili spiced mayo, and sprinkled with queso, with queso and fresh lime juice. What do we guys think of that? I think that's okay. I would give that a shot. I would eat that. You know, it, I would go. Maybe I would throw a little something extra on my corn. That actually sounds. Delicious. Okay. I mean, and I think if, you know, I may not, if I was on a date, maybe I don't want to eat corn on the cob in front of people. But I'm at the fair. You're You're doing that anyway. You're at the fair. So I don't care. Take a toothpick with you and you'll be fine. Um, So, MJ, what do you think? Uh, so I was, I'm sorry. I was so, uh, distracted by all these options. Right. Like, you know, you're reading it and you're <laughs> like, uh, like, you're like, how did anybody think of this? Um, right. Some of these ideas, but it was the corn on the cob. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Yeah. With chili spice mayo. I mean, that is probably something that I would eat. Okay. It does have cheese. It does have mayo. But, okay, so when I look at these things, Mm -hmm. I say, hey, you can make mayo plant-based. And you can make cheese plant-based. Sure. You know? So I'm ready just for it to happen and for it to become mainstream. Ah, fair enough. So So you're saying you want to open up a booth at the – you want to open up a little booth at the State Fair? Oh, I think it's far too late, but I probably should have worked on that. Uh, No, you got time next year. We'll help you do it next year. (laughs) Because there's a lot of other things. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you wouldn't eat. Like they have a turducken sausage sandwich that is coming up this year. That's one of the new things. And turducken is always a fancy thing. But I think all sausages are basically what turducken is. Because isn't most sausages, it's usually a combination of a bunch of things all ground up. So Has there ever been like a cricket thing? Or like the, we talked about insect farming or whatever? Well, you know what? I, not at the fair, but my friend uh, Tina Rexling from T-Rex Cookies, she has made, uh, back to what MJ said about putting it in chocolate, she does have, it's called Chocolate Chirp available periodically over at T-Rex Cookies. So it's, cho- you know, it's chocolate. It's basically a chocolate chip cookie with crickets in it mm-hmm. so you wouldn't necessarily even know like whenever i do decide like I, I took some to some friends of ours i'm like by the way there's crickets in it because i wanted to tell them because it really just has like this nutty it's flavor like to it like it, if yeah. you put not even any crunch to it it really just kind of tastes like you're like what is that nutty flavor is that sunflower seeds is that yeah. what and then you would find a leg occasionally and you would think that i just brought in you you know toxic cookies so yeah, i need true. to tell you no if you find anything it's supposed to be in there 
it's a cricket. Um, so, but they, but you barely notice that it's crickets. Sure. Yeah. So you barely notice. Um, the next thing that you will notice, like this one, is one of the ones that I don't know if you're going to be on board with this. And they, ha- they're calling it a, a barbecue split, a BBQ split. Um, so Mama D's, which is one of the uh, one of the vendors that's going to be part of Midtown Global Markets um, uh, experience. Midtown Global Market kind of rotates through some of the other restaurants that they have there. So what is in the, the the barbecue split instead of a banana split? It's scoops of barbecue pulled pork, mac and cheese, and coleslaw served side by side with a pickles beer. So I would eat the pickles. You eat. <laughs> I, w- I love pickles. <laughs> Too much. Don't yeah. they have at the fair like a fried pickle basket yeah. somewhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I, I you like the fried pickles? I yeah. do like the fried pickles. Yeah, so they have the fried pickles, so this is just kind of a split this on that. See, I would sp- you would eat that. I would split the barbecue split with somebody else. Okay. I wouldn't <laughs> just have it by myself. That is fair. That is fair. And the last one that I wanted to bring up, and if there's anything that you guys want to talk about, this one I thought you think was fun, because this is just complete whimsy. So if you go by the rainbow ice cream booth in the grandstand, you can get a rainbow cloud roll. And inside a rainbow cloud roll, there's three scoops of ice cream sprinkled with fruity cereal. So basically fruity pebbles, but they didn't have the rights to that. So with fruity cereal and wrapped in a pillow of cotton candy. So it's hand rolled on site. And the ice cream choices include Superman, vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that is, see, that, that's what I expect. Like, that's right. State Fair level menu right there. Like, I, I couldn't even dreamt that up. You know, I, I, that's I a know. sugar overload. I uh-huh. think you need to have six friends eat that. But I was going to say, you know, if you were to say you're not going to have Martha's cookies, this will be the option that I would actually go towards. Okay. Just because it's the, it's like you said, it's the whimsical. This right. is why you go to the State Fair. Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming... People go to the state fair. They have their, you know, their their state fair staples. Like right. You're gonna go get a, you know, footlong hot dog. You're gonna go get a corn dog. You're gonna go get a cheese curd. You're gonna go get your Martha's cookies. But what are those three things that you really just want to try? Right. With your friends and family to be like, we're not gonna get ten of these. We're gonna get one, and we're all gonna take take a bite of it. Right. I mean, and I did add that onto my list of something that I was willing to try this year. And there's just some other things that are just kind of interesting, like a a messy Giuseppe, which is just a bunch of like seasoned ground beef and pork sausage. Just you know. I'm like, okay, I'm on board with trying the messy. I do cheese courts every year. Let's do something else. Or, you know, O'Gara's new spin on tater tots where they're putting, like, sauerkraut and a bunch of other stuff in them. You know, corned beef and sauerkraut in it. So, you know, I do think it's – Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, what do you suggest? Like, I mean, obviously, if we're going to a place like the State Fair, we're going there for the pageantry of it. So, you know, now that we do have these additional options, and so for somebody – uh, who is so uh, educated, like yourself, MJ, how do you enjoy some of these type of events? Or how do we go, well, I'm still, I still want to feel like a, a, uh, a person that's doing, that's doing the, the good work of trying to be in mm-hmm. this framework because I know, but I'm at the fair and I want to have a good time. I, I probably would look at some of the other festivities going on at the fair, aside, yeah. from, aside from the food <laughs> scene. Which yes. Is, but okay, mm-hmm. so like when I look at this, I say, as a food scientist and just probably as the perfectionist that I am, like it can be better. Yes. So um, one day, hopefully not too far from now, I hope that when you look at any of these meat options, mm-hmm. uh, that it's trademarked to some clean meat, clean protein company. Okay. And so what I mean by that, for anybody who's not familiar with clean protein and clean meat, is without the animal, imagine if you could, without causing harm to the animal, uh, regenerate their tissue cells, their muscle tissue, Uh so that you could 3D print or even just grow the muscle that you love and enjoy, that you see as meat. So uh, Beyond, uh, no, not Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat is a plant-based company, but uh, Hampton Creek, which is now known as the company Just, has an awesome video out there. If you type in Ian the Chicken, where Ian is this happy chicken walking around, where they took, uh, you know, a swab of his skin cells and were able to uh, grow his muscle tissue and enjoy chicken nuggets from Ian the Chicken without causing See, the death of the Ian. that's the future. And it's the future, but, but it's also the, the present. But don't mm-hmm. some people, I know that you see some pushback every once in a while where people start going, okay, now we're to the Frankenfoods type thing. You know, like, should mm-hmm. we do that? And when is science going too far? Like, when do we get to that Soylent Green thing? I'm like, sorry. Where the stuff we that can't you're eating it. in Taco Bell, you think that's beef? You're already <laughs> there. You just don't know about it. Right? right? It's like you're already there. The things you don't know about, you're already consuming. So when you, when I literally tell you this is being processed in a can... <laughs> 
you're already eating, you've been eating that for the last 10 years of your life mm -hmm. and you, but they wrap it up in this goodness of doritos locos tacos <laughs> yeah which i actually had some last night because i want and i'm very food conscious like I'm and not, you still ate it but i ate it because I, I i wanted it right right but i also knew exactly what was in it and i was very conscious of the fact that i was gonna consume that and but I also consume tons of other stuff. But to your point, is being educated about it and not being pissed off about. You can only control what you can control. So you can control what you can learn. Mm -hmm. So learn. Yeah. So we're gonna look up Ian the chicken Ian and the see chicken. about the happy life mm -hmm. that he is having because we are eating protein that is based from him, but not actually him. So we're gonna go look mm -hmm. for that. And what else do you encourage people? We'll, be, we'll send everybody to your website, MJ. But what is there anything else out there that you go? Here's my starter lesson. For everybody, uh, for people out there, here's something else you should watch. Just kind of start yourself on the journey. Oh, that's a, okay. So when I look at the future of the food industry, I what I was getting at earlier is we're now in this this area called functional foods. Okay. So when I say that everything on this menu could be made better, it's um, if we're concerned about sugar, well, we can create new ways to create sweetness that don't harm your body in the way that this so-called natural sugar does. Because when you go to hy V now, there's yeah. even a sign up there that says functional foods. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's, mm -hmm. that. see, functional foods also is kind of like a food science term, so I wouldn't expect, oh, good. The, I wouldn't expect the consumer to, to be like familiar with what functional like what foods is. mean. Yeah, I don't yeah. think, it, they don't, mm -hmm. well, MJ, let's back up. They don't explain to us. There's no definition of it, but there is an aisle and there's a sign on the aisle that says functional foods. Right. And so it does have some of the things that you seem to be you know, explaining. And so it's good now to know what am I looking for if I see that terminology. Right. So when you're looking at functional foods, you're looking at food as a way to deliver nu true nutrition to your body. So I am assuming that functional foods to high V, what it means to us in the food science world is, let's take a look at the macronutrient story. Mm -hmm. When you look at a nutrition facts panel, you have your fats, your carbs, your protein. Let's look at those and see that what how they occur in that food product and what ratios. And right now, at least in the American diet, you know, there's definitely an emphasis on having more protein in your diet, maybe fewer carbohydrates. Now that's a trend or a fad or it works for a certain group of people. It doesn't mean that it's universal to everybody. Right. But functional foods could really deliver on a story like that and also be low in sugar. Um, but I think if, if people are interested in clean meat or clean proteins, which are uh, proteins and meat derived from uh working on a tissue engineering level and I understand why it would appear like a Franken food in the very beginning but I think everyone starts there with anything new that they've learned right as they become more educated a great resource to educate on that topic would be Paul Shapiro's book clean meat okay um, and then uh, Ian the chicken is a fabulous way to just get an introductory <laughs> to that that's somewhat entertaining mm -hmm. and very you know heartwarming um, in the plant-based space I I think that if people could um, turn off, uh, the negative energy toward the word vegan, myself okay. included. Okay. Because the word vegan has caused a lot of people to turn the other way. Right. Maybe it's because of a very radical lifestyle. Yes. Or um, it could also just be because for as long as the term vegan has been used, the products on the market at that time did not exemplify amazing taste. Right. Or a taste that was equal. I learned a lot today. Right. Um, and the, just an FYI, and I, had, I should have touched on this part earlier, but our festival, the Twin Cities Film Fest, focuses on a social justice cause every single year. We did addiction. We've done sex trafficking. We've done poverty and uh, education. Um, this year's Animal Humanity. Mm -hmm. And so we're programming five to seven films around animal humanity. That, of course, includes animal welfare, but how animals make us better human beings. Right. Um, but that being said, there is a film that I think will be, again, I can't really tell what the film is right now because we haven't officially accepted it but this filmmaker is going to get an acceptance letter very soon from mm -hmm. us um but it deals with uh, um, um farming and sustainable farming but that animals help us actually be better uh, human beings through uh, plant protein mm -hmm. and how they're n needed on these land to make sure that the plants are giving us what they need as well so anyway so I'm very excited because I think we this this is a good time because what we can do is that we can go ahead and re uh, release that and then we can have one of our reviewers of that film be MJ and tell us how does that tie back into how we are better for the planet and better as people. I love it. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see it. Perfect. Perfect. I love stuff like that because, um, again, food science is so vast and there is a category within food science called meat science and I didn't get to learn very much about it. So it's interesting um, for anybody who wanted to go into the food science industry and create a change for plant proteins, there wasn't much of an opportunity to do it if you're not educated on meat. Right. You know? We're also considering a film that is all about the history of organic food. Ah. 
Oh, wow. That's going to be mm-hmm. one intensive research project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't and wait. That's you, so cool. How do you compile it into a you know, 68, 70-minute documentary? We'll see. Right. And we are definitely okay. going to have to have you back on the show because there's so much we can cover. And as more interesting food topics come up, we would love to have you back, MJ. Is that okay? Oh, I would love to be back. Yes, so thank you. Everyone, we encourage you to go to her website. It's fairscience.com, F-A-R-E, science.com, and read more of the uh, great work uh, and great lifestyle choices that MJ Kinney can help you be a part of. Thank you. And we always encourage you to go to our website because, Jayton, there's always fun stuff going on over at the Twin Cities Film Fest, so they should go there. And then when do tickets go on sale again for the festival? So we're hoping to hit the ticket window around September 21st, 22nd. Um, our gala is coming up in a couple of weeks on September 6th where we're honoring Steve Zahn um, at our gala. And the festival is in... Uh, Mid-October, October 17th. So right now, there are sleepless nights and uh, plenty of awesome food that helps me stay awake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we encourage you always to go into the Twin Cities Film Fest website. You can get more information at TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. You can find us online as well. We are very easy to find on Facebook. Just search for Be Our Geek on Facebook and Twitter. We thank you for listening to us, and we appreciate you being part of Be Our Geek because everyone is a geek about something. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.